0: Well, we're both the winners. Everyone's a winner, who knows <laughs> right. The point is, even if at the service station, uh, it is blowing a gale, and it's chucking it down with rain, and it's really visible, and there's no water anywhere to be seen, buying the snorkel makes sense because of where you're going. Making decisions on the journey because of the destination. Sometimes these illustrations take a little bit more unpacking. You might want to take that one home and talk about it a little bit. What does it look like to making decisions on the journey that only make sense because of the destination? Jesus says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust me, because there's a place beyond the troubles, and you can go there. Let's be realistic, right? Everything we've talked about so far, what like, you don't mean to answer this but in your own heart what what do you think about it? is it just kind of it's, it's a nice message. idea isn't it but I mean I, I've got some um, songs from the musical Les Miz in my head at the moment. Uh, one of them has Fontaine singing about a dream she dreamed and in, in the song she, she dreams about this her dreams of hope and love and happiness and then life happened and troubles came in and the last line of the song is, Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. We have to ask ourselves realistically, can we hope for what Jesus speaks of? This heaven, this this wonderful home, can people like us, with with what we have going on, can we really go there? But what does Jesus say to his disciples? He says he is going. Going to prepare a place for them. It means that he is going to die. And the reason he's going to die is what the whole of the Gospel of John is about. And the Gospel of John begins by telling us how the light shines in the darkness. Into the darkness of our world of trouble. The troubles that come within. The troubles that come all around us. Troubles that cast their long shadows. Light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot stand before it. The true light comes into the world. God, the Word, becomes flesh. He lives among us. He's full of grace and truth, shining light into our darkness. Jesus comes into the world. And this is how he explains the reason, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus, the Son of God, is, is, is given... To open a way in the darkest of trouble. See the deepest, darkest trouble in the world, the deepest trouble, is that for all of us, because of our sin, we are perishing. And every other trouble pales into insignificance in light of that. The Bible says that we all have sinned. And we've turned from God and so all people face a future of eternal perishing under the punishment of God. That is the trouble of all troubles. The God loved the world. He loved the world so he gave his son to take away our sin and he does it. He takes away our sin by putting himself in our place before the judgment of God. And by his dying he pays for our sin. So that everyone, anyone who trusts him will not perish but have eternal life. And on the cross he cried out, it is finished. Everything needed is done. The way is open for anyone who will trust him. Jesus is going. He's going to the cross to open up a way so that people like us can get to his Father's house with many homes. But he's not just going. He also says he's coming. See that he says, I will come, I will come back and take you to be with me. And you hear why he's coming back? He says, I'm coming back to take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. But do you know that that's what Jesus wants to do for you? And it flows from his, his great love for you. It's not just for these disciples who he's talking to on this night. See, on that same night, just after this, in John 17, Jesus prays. His prayer is recorded. And in his prayer, he prays for all who will believe in him through the message of his disciples. Do you know who that is? If you've heard about Jesus, and you've put your trust in Jesus, then on that night, he was praying for you. And this is what he prayed. These are the words of the prayer of Jesus for you. He said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me, where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus wants you to be with him. And he went to the cross and he died for you. And he was raised for you. And he's gone to heaven to prepare a place for you. And he will come back for you to take you to be with him so that you are with him because he wants you to be with him. He wants you to see his glory. He wants you to see that unhindered brilliance that whole ocean of infinite love with such beauty that it will make us more happy than we could ever imagine. And then to do more and more and more and more and more and more, satisfying our hearts forever and ever and ever. So that what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. And Jesus has got it. And he said, in this world you will have trouble. But then he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And he has. And he will come. And he will take us home. And he says to his disciples, you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas says, no, we don't. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? In a few weeks' time, we're going as a family up to a holiday in Keswick in the Lake District, which is pretty close to the new creation, I think. And um, My guess is that my children don't know which roads to go on to get to Keswick. Uh, if they had to get there on their own, they wouldn't be able to do it. But they don't need to know the roads they have to go on. They need to know that we will take them there. That's what Jesus says here. He says, you know the way to the place I'm going. Thomas says, no, we don't. Jesus says, yes, you do, it's me. He says, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. Now, if you're not trusting Jesus, there is no other way. Now, without Jesus, you can't get to this heavenly home. It doesn't matter how hard you search or how hard you try. You can't get to the Father's house without Jesus. There is nothing more important than to know Jesus, who is the way. He is the only way. There isn't another way. There is no other truth. There's no other life. That's why he says, "Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me." Says that there's a place beyond your troubles, and you can go there. And even more, I will take you there. And he stretches out his hand, and he asks you to trust. Like our hearts will be troubled. Maybe this morning our hearts are troubled. And we can't live in this world and avoid the troubles. But when we're troubled, Jesus says, trust me. And your troubles don't need to be the end of your story. And then the film, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Everything keeps going wrong, but the main character keeps saying... Everything will be alright in the end, and if it's not alright, it's not yet the end. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. So if you're troubled, it's because you're still in this world. This is not your home. This world is not your home and your troubles are not permanent. And in the end, if you're trusting Jesus, he will come and take you home. Take you to your permanent home, prepared for you where you will be with him. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome them. So today, let's make decisions because of where we're going. One Thessalonians four says, "We grieve." Of course, we grieve. There's so much sad stuff to grieve, but we grieve with hope. <clears throat> Romans eight says, "We groan." Of course, we groan because there's so many reasons to groan, but we groan with a great hope of what is to come. And the Bible ends with the Lord Jesus say, "I'm coming soon." And his people reply in prayer, come, Lord Jesus. As we continue to think about that, we're going to hear from someone and hear about what this future hope means for them. So, Vaughn is going to come and speak to Matt.
1: asked to give uh, some thoughts on uh, the Lord's Supper a couple of weeks ago. He couldn't, couldn't make them, but actually in a way, the Lord prepared this answer a year or two ago. Since in a previous church, me, Pastor, and a, another guy met up and we'd try and memorise some of the Bible. And we were memorising Colossians. I'm not going to try and go through that now, but in terms of the answer of hope to heaven, in chapter 3, on this Paul says we thank God Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So prior to that, if you'd have asked me about the hope in heaven, as somebody who spends more time up here than here, I would have really struggled to give you an answer as to what that means. Heaven, is the thing that happened at the end of your life. But the Lord led me to a realization that the hope, the hope of heaven, is what drives us to speak to other people and to love one another, the saints, the brothers and sisters in Christ here, but also those who don't yet have that hope of heaven. And what powers that? Well, that was something else that we looked at after that. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which came to you as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also as amongst you, since the day you heard it, will understood in the grace of truth, just as you learned it from the path of other fellow servants. So the hope of heaven being the thing that powers us to love one another, but we learn about that through understanding the gospel, which came to us from somebody who told it to us. So I suppose it kind of neatly closes that loop. So for me, when uh, I was asked to talk about the hope of heaven, then the Lord's preparation for Colossians, which I now have mostly forgotten. But the hope of heaven in that description, it would be my answer. When we are thinking about heaven, do you have a hope that you understand we're told you can't imagine Yes. So are you thinking um, of being with Christ as um, a physical thing or as just in your
0: imagination and a hope of that? Does that make sense? Yeah, that does, yeah, that does make sense.
1: But that's a, yeah, that's a really hard one to answer. If you press me for an answer and I think about what heaven would be. Then I think the thing that sticks in my mind is the new heaven and the new earth, the new creation. So it not being a ephemeral sort of Philadelphia rapper with like clouds and that sort of thing, but there being physical stuff that's kind of everything is turned up to eleven, level. Like Keswick, the lake district but like up to eleven. Well what does that mean? That's really difficult to articulate. As I said, I'm better here than here. But like Being with Christ bodily in a perfect setting. I suppose that's the best answer I can possibly give.
0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that the Bible teaches us quite clearly that our hope of heaven is real, and that Christians can um, know that peace and joy that the hope of heaven gives us in this world, knowing that Christ will return either. And whilst we are still alive, once we have died, we will be with him forever. And we'll pray that Christ is all, and we pray you that he is all in us. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Thanks very much, Paul. Thank you, Matt, Thank you for sharing with us. Uh, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And the hope that we have is not just a hope that we will be okay. It's a personal hope. A hope that we will be with Jesus and that as we wait to be with Jesus, he will be with us and he will hold on to us. Uh, so we're going to spend the end of our service celebrating that, reminding each other of the confidence that we can have.